Romans chapter 11. Got your Bibles, your study notes. If you didn't get them, put your hand up. Ashes will bring you study notes real quick and a prayer list. Part 28. Can God be trusted to keep his word or has he rejected his people? Can God be trusted to keep his word or has he rejected his people? Romans 11. We reach Romans 11 verse 1. I ask then... Has God rejected his people? He means the Jews, ethnic Jews. By no means. For I myself, Paul speaks, am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel? Now he quotes Elijah. Lord, They have killed your prophets, they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? Quote, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Now Paul speaks. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. That's this relationship with God. The elect obtained it. But the rest were hardened. That's an important sentence right there. As it is written, and now he quotes... God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see, ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, this is in the Psalms, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs Forever. Here's the issue Paul's dealing with. It's a hard issue. Paul knows the Bible says in Psalm 94, 14, For the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. So God has this covenant with the Jewish people. And then Paul says, But some of them he's hardened, cut them off. And so here's the issue. The issue is, has God broken his promise? Do you see it? That's as clear as I can make it. Has God broken his promise? Where he says, for the Lord will not forsake his people. That's the Jewish nation. He will not abandon his heritage. And there's other places. God keeps his covenant. And then Paul has already taught several places in the book of Romans that many Jews are going to be lost, eternally lost, blind to the truth. Is God a promise breaker, or is there another explanation? That's what we're looking at. Point number one. God had not rejected the Jewish people entirely. We know that because Paul himself was a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, he says. And he had been reached by the gospel of grace. So there's the question in 11.1. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. 
For I myself, Paul says, am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. So these autobiographical words from Paul, they're not an introduction, because if they were, he would have done it at the beginning of the letter. He's halfway through his letter. He has no reason to introduce himself at this time. His words are designed to fit his purpose, to complete an argument that he's been making. If there ever was a Jew who was rejecting God's grace in Christ Jesus, it's Paul. You know where he was going? On that road to Damascus, when God spoke to him and knocked him off his animal, and he saw this blinding light and he heard a voice, you know where he was on his way? He was on his way to grab Christians, rip them out of their homes, kill them, execute them, put them in prison. That's what Paul was doing when God got his heart. So if there was ever anyone rejecting Jesus, Paul was persecuting all who would come to Christ. So Paul knew what rejecting God's grace and God's plan was all about. Paul knew what he was talking about. And finally, though, Paul quits his fight. He saw the light, literally saw the light. Swallowed his pride, his pride in Jewish ancestry, his pride in Jewish law-keeping, abandoned all that, trusted in God's grace, and God was faithful to forgive him and commission him. So, had God abandoned the Jewish people totally? Were they beyond hope if they turned in repentance and embraced the fulfillment of God's Old Testament promise and plan? Were they completely beyond reach? Paul says, no, look at me. Look at me. God had redeemed Paul and fulfilled his purpose for Paul's life. So, no, God has not totally cast off the Jewish people. Point number two. God had not rejected the Jews entirely because there was still a faithful remnant of believing Jews, even in Paul's day. I get that in verses 2, 3, 4, and 5 of chapter 11. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Paul says, don't you know the scriptures, what they say of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel. Lord, they've killed your prophets. They've demolished your altars. I'm the only one. I'm alone. I alone am left, and they seek my life. God says, what are you talking about? I have 7,000 who haven't bound the knees, bowed the knees to Baal. And Paul says, so too. At the present time, there's a remnant. There's Israel, all the Jewish people. There's a remnant within Israel who have not rejected God. Elijah was wrong in the assumption that he was the only loyalist left, that everyone else had abandoned God. And so too at the present time, 11.5, at the present time there's a remnant chosen by grace. We know that this was the truth. We know because the Apostle James told Paul in Acts 21.20, and when they heard it, they glorified God. And they said to him, to Paul, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. So there were believers among the Jewish people. There were people who put their trust in Christ. Thousands of Jews, just as in Elijah's day of self-pity, thousands of Jews were believers in God's mercy and grace and faithfulness. 
true, those early Jewish Christians, they, they carried more than their share of issues to be worked through regarding the relationship between their new faith and their Jewish upbringing. But there were, nonetheless, thousands of Jews who weren't void of genuine devotion and faith in Christ. So no, God had not totally rejected his people. Divine judgment was there for sure, and it ran deep, as we'll see in a minute. But even while the majority of the Jewish people had been set aside from God's grace, God's judgment was partial, not total. Point number three. Paul again outlines the pathway by which all people, Jews included, must come to God's love and grace. All people. I get that in verses 5 and 6. So too, at the present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Works Trusting in Jewish heritage, trusting that they're physical descendants of Abraham, trusting that they kept the Sabbath or regulations regarding diet and washings. If they relied on those things, those works, they would not find salvation. But anyone who turned to God's grace in faith, there was a remnant in Israel that stood by grace rather than works. Remember the promise? We looked at it when we studied promise given and received by Abraham that he would have he would have a son and it was just impossible in terms of human accomplishment and God says that's the pattern it's going to be by my work not by your work that plan never changed never changed some of the Jewish people latched onto it the Gentiles latched onto it Jew or Gentile they had to latch onto the very same plan trusting in God's grace putting faith in what God had done through the Messiah So God's purpose in the faithful remnant is to constantly display his salvation people as a people reached by grace rather than works. It started with Abraham and it continued. Paul can't leave the important subject alone. If the Jewish remnant deserved their special place, then the whole witness of divine grace would be shattered. One ounce of merit totally destroys grace. That's what he says in verse 6 of chapter 11. If it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Once you throw works in, otherwise grace would no longer be grace. It's the only way. Now we come to a very important transition point in tonight's text. There's a reason Paul restates his central proposition about grace and works, the contrast. Because just as surely as grace is a wonderful thing to accept, grace is a terrible thing to reject. And now Paul wants to go on and explain, it's the, it's the difficult part of the text, what happens to the Jewish people and anyone else when they reject divine grace. Point number four. Just because grace is offered freely, and it is, doesn't mean it can be rejected without consequence. It might be tempting to think of grace as any other gift, something someone offers you for free. You can take it, you can turn it down, no harm done. It happens all the time in the 
give and take of life. Paul says, no, it's not that way with divine grace. Rejecting, rejecting revelation, rejecting divine grace brings God's judgment. That's what he's going to talk about in the last 7, 8, 9, and 10. We need a little bit of time to unpack these verses. There's a lot in here because there's all those Old Testament quotations. And you have to frame them a little bit to get Paul's point. 7 to 10. So the point here, remember, just because grace is offered freely doesn't mean it can be rejected by anyone without consequence. What then, Paul says? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. What it was seeking was God's righteousness, relationship with God. But they went about it through heritage, ethnicity, and law. That's how they did it. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it. Do you notice what Paul did there? You have to pay close attention. He says there's Israel, whom we, we always think of all Israel as being God's people, the elect. And what Paul does is he talks about Israel, notice, and then he talks about the elect. That's a really important theological point. It runs throughout the New Testament. The elect obtained it. But the rest, that's the rest of the Jews, were hardened as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor. God did this, not Satan. Eyes that would not see, ears that would not hear. Down to this very day, Paul says. David says, you see what Paul's doing here when he talks to the Jews about how they've missed it in God's judgment. He knows that if he just makes his words come out, they, they're, they're not going to listen. So he, he, goes to, he goes to Moses. He goes to David. <laughs> Hard for them to argue with Moses and David. And David says, regarding God's judgment for rejecting grace, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. That Israel failed to obtain the relationship it was seeking with God. It's not a new idea for Paul. Uh, you'll remember we studied it in these references. I think they're in your notes. 9, uh, 31, 32, and then 10, 2, and 3. Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. Who's the stumbling stone? That's Christ. 10.2, I bear them witness that they, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. The zeal isn't enough. For being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God. And seeking to establish their own, we're descendants of Abraham, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So Paul's really clear, really clear. Israel wasn't guilty of ignoring God. Like many in our world today, many different religions, she was religiously enamored with God, a zeal for God. Paul says they had that. 
but for all her talk about devotion to God, she was guilty of refusing grace in Jesus Christ. They still reject Jesus Christ, by and large. And in refusing God's revelation of grace, completed in Christ Jesus, come in the flesh, Israel made herself a candidate for divine judgment. What Paul wants to do is make that clear from their own Old Testament scriptures. That's the scriptures they had and read. And he works with two passages. One from Deuteronomy, one from the Psalms. The Deuteronomy text is Deuteronomy 29.14. And Paul uses it to demonstrate the principle of divine judgment for grace shunned. Divine judgment for grace shunned. It's the same thing Paul did when he, when, when he talked about Pharaoh. God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh rejects, rejects, refuses, argues, fights, and finally God comes in and hardens his heart. That's the same point he's going to make here. The same point he's going to make here. The quote from Psalm 69 is used to show how the demarcation between those who trust in grace, the remnant, and those who do not, is manifested even today. So 11.7, what then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. Those are striking words, and they prove we need to be very careful about how we use that word elect in the letter to the Romans. It's not, it's not simple, and it's not the same all the time. It's used in different ways. All Israel... All Israel, all descendants of Abraham were elect in a certain sense. They were chosen to be recipients of many blessings. Y you can see it in 9, 4, and 5. To them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs. And from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ who is God over all, blessed forever. Notice how Christ is clearly called God in that reference. So all of Israel was elect, chosen in the sense of receiving those blessings. But Paul uses that term elect in a very different sense in 11.7. In fact, he uses it to separate the elect from the rest of Israel. You can see it in 11.7. What then? Israel, circle Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect, circle elect, the elect obtained it. But the rest, he means the rest of Israel, were hardened. So there's the elect, and there's the rest of Israel. So yes, as we've already quoted from Psalm 94, 14, God would never forsake his people. The Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. What's that mean? It means the elect, the faithful in Israel. God was faithful to his promise to Abraham. God, says Paul, has always maintained a faithful remnant, a witness to his covenant of faith, like he started with Abraham. Now, now, as we wrap up, 
Paul's going to start talking about a frightening work, another work of God among Israel. He says in 11.7, Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it. That's the good news. But the rest were hardened. And to make that point clear, it's at this point Paul makes use of his two Old Testament quotes. First, Deuteronomy 29.4. But to get the flow, we're going to look at Deuteronomy 29.2-4. Is that in your notes? Okay. And Moses summoned all of Israel to him and said, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt. That's important. They had witnessed incredible workings of God on their behalf. Delivering works. You've seen what God did to Pharaoh and to all his servants in the land. They saw it. The great trials that your eyes saw. The signs. Those great wonders. And then, but to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. This is the first stage of God's judging work amongst Israel. More would come as they persisted in unbelief. They saw so many manifestations of God's power and his loving care, protection from enemies, provision. They were still grumbling. They were led through the Red Sea. They were fed manna and quail from heaven. They got water out of a rock in the middle of a desert. And they grumbled and complained and they disbelieved. And Moses told the people, now, now, after they've seen all this and refuse to respond, Moses says, God's, God's not going to give you eyes to see or ears to hear. They had heard Moses give all the instructions about the law. They had seen the fire and smoke on the mountain and never listened. And then Paul, Paul makes another statement, Isaiah 29.10, For the Lord has poured out upon you a spirit of deep sleep, closed your eyes to the prophets, covered your ears. This is the way it always works. This is the way it always works. Grace, it's a wonderful thing to receive. It's a terrible thing to neglect. God didn't just arbitrarily come and say, I'm not giving you a chance. This hardening, this judgment came as people refused mercy and grace. Grace is a wonderful thing to accept. It is a terrible thing to refuse. And God gave us the whole Old Testament to help us understand that truth. Let's pray together.